exceeding, abundant, above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. You have that power within you. Nothing like the day of Pentecost to remind us of the power of Jesus that lives inside us. And it's through that power that God's able to do exceeding and abundant in each and every one of us. Amen. Thankful for Sister Parks leading us, Sister Parks and the praise team leading us into worship. And we felt the presence of the Lord this morning. Amen. Amen. I want to thank my pastor and first lady and those that lead here at Life for the opportunity to speak before you. We're going to go directly into the word of the Lord. It is Pentecost Sunday, and so what a better opportunity than to preach on Pentecost. Amen. Amen. To preach on Pentecost. I know about you, but uh, I didn't grow up in this. Uh, several thoughts, ideas, concepts that I had coming into a Pentecostal church. And uh, the Bible is able to tell us all about it. We're going to go to the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a book that the Pentecostal church is very familiar with. Amen. It's not uh, something that you're not familiar with and haven't studied Acts chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord and in one place, with one accord and in one place. How many know that they were in the right place? Amen. They were there at the right time. Amen. And they were in unity. Amen. Amen. And we're going to find through this message that when you're in the right place, at the right time, and you're in unity, that there's nothing that can stop the people of God. Amen. And verse 2 says, and suddenly... There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Amen. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat on each of them. Amen. When you're in the right place, at the right time, and when you're in unity, and it's a part of God's will, then his promises are fulfilled. Amen. And the, the Bible goes on to say in verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Yes, this has a lot to do with why we are Pentecostal, and why we celebrate today the day of Pentecost. And verse 5 goes on to say, And they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. The tongue being the most unruly member of the body. It'll cause you to change your mind when you speak. The Lord took control of that tongue and they began to hear each other speak in their own language. And we find that 
these, this multitude of people suddenly came together. Amen. We're thankful for the word of God. And Brother Fowler, if you would, lead us in prayer. Pray over this message today. We thank the Lord today for his word. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to preach for just a few minutes. Pentecost, the fulfillment of the promise. Pentecost, the fulfillment of the promise. Well, what is Pentecost anyway? The Bible tells us to count 50 days beginning with the Passover and ending with Pentecost. Pentecost was a Jewish feast that was held 50 days after the Passover. It celebrated the first fruit of the wheat harvest. It was also called the Feast of Weeks. It was called the Feast of the Ingathering. We can see instances of Pentecost throughout the Bible, the time from the Passover to Pentecost. That 50 days. There was a celebration throughout that time. We see this when the law is given at Mount Sinai. From the blood of the Passover lamb being applied to the doorpost until the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. That was Pentecost. After the Pentecost meal with the disciples, Jesus was delivered to become the sacrificial lamb who was slain for our sins on the cross. Fifty days after the resurrection, he, he pours out his spirit on Pentecost. From the resurrection of Christ that we celebrated on Sunday, April the 9th, 2023, 50 days later, which is Sunday, today, May 28, 2023, Pentecost. Leviticus 23 and 15 through 16 says, And ye shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheep of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. Even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall ye number 50 days. How many know Pentecost simply means 50 days? It simply means, I love when uh, Pentecostal people make things simple, Sister Parks. It's simply 50 days. Uh, I remember a Pentecostal person talking about the anointing oil. And we have throughout scripture, we have the five wise and the five foolish virgins. And one said to the other, give us of your oil. And that scripture begins to talk about the anointing. We see what David was anointed. And, you know, and, and sometimes people come up to the altar and I guess they're kind of concerned about the anointing oil. It's simply olive oil that was bought from one of the dollar stores. And so I, I'm thankful when people make things simple. Pentecost is simply 50 days. Now that's the simple part of it, just like that anointing oil. 
but it has a lot to do with what you believe. What you believe and how you follow up on that belief. And hopefully at the end of this message, if you don't believe Pentecost, the Bible way, that hopefully this message is laid out to where you can believe. And when you respond, you respond as they did in the book of Acts. Deuteronomy 16 and 9 says, You shall count seven weeks for yourself. You shall begin to count seven weeks from the time you begin to put the sickle to the standing grain. How the Israelites anticipated Pentecost. I could imagine that these Jewish people would have the sickle in hand when they began to practice and celebrate the week of the first fruit. So as soon as the Passover was over, and for us that would be that Sunday, April 9th, that we would begin to anticipate Pentecost Sunday, 50 days prior to that anticipation that you had when you walked into the building this morning, knowing that you were walking into a Pentecostal service where you knew you were going to meet the love of the Lord in the building. Amen. So that, that uh, phrase to put the sickle means that the Israelites anticipated Pentecost. It signified they're preparing themselves. And they counted each day until Pentecost. It was the 50th day called Pentecost that the first believers received the Holy Ghost in Acts 2. Amen. Pentecost is a freedom. It's not a burden. Spiritually redeemed from bondage by the blood of Jesus Christ. Pentecost is a time for the Lord's promise and his power. Pentecost is not a denomination. Pentecost is a promise to all that are in the earth. When I say that I'm Pentecostal, it doesn't refer to my exuberant praise. It doesn't refer to the way that I dress or how fast that I can run around the sanctuary, or that I can speak in tongues more than you. To be Pentecostal means that when the move happens, I'm in the presence, in the place that God wants me to be. That's simply what Pentecost is. When we're in the place, in the presence that God wants us to be, and we're in unity, fire comes down from heaven, and it sits on each one of us. Amen. 2 Corinthians 3 and 7 through 9 says, But if the ministration of death, written and engraving on stones, came with glory, so that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly upon the face of Moses for the glory of his face. Which glory was passing away? How shall not rather the ministration of the Spirit be with glory? For if the ministration of condemnation have glory, much rather the ministration of a righteousness exceed in glory. Amen. How many are thankful for the Spirit of God? 
then lives and moves and breathes inside of you. For what the law, the scripture says, could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Is that it? That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us? Not only that, that those who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. After the spirit. Now that's Pentecost. That is Pentecost, and it is the fulfillment of the righteousness of the law. The scripture says the law was weak. And I, I, I'm continuously thinking of the law and how much we break it. Amen. Uh, how many, when you're in a hurry, you might break the law by speeding. The law is condemning. Because when you don't do right, what do you get? Punished. You get punished. <laughs> if you break the law, you get punished. I hate to see one of the saints in the back of one of those cars because you were driving reckless. But that's breaking the law. That's breaking the law. But as the scripture has said, the law is weak. The law is weak. Why? Because we are responding with our flesh when we, when we break the law. When we follow the law. Amen? But we have the spirit. And that's what Pentecost is all about. And I want to give a parallel between Sinai and the giving of the law and Pentecost. On Sinai, there are, there are many similar things that we see throughout Scripture where Pentecost has instances throughout the Old Testament. But what we find is prior to Acts 2 and that experience, we find that there's fleshly responses and punishment. Yeah. On Sinai, just as much as God's presence was on, at Pentecost, God's presence was at Sinai when God gave the law. God's presence was at Babel. God's presence was all throughout the Old Testament and his presence is still here with us today. And we read on Sinai, God's presence came down with fire, with smoke, and with the sound of thunder. Now who would want to respond when the presence of God come down and leaves ash on a mountain? Just as it came down at Sinai, the presence of God came down like the sound of a rushing mighty wind and with tongues of fire on the day of Pentecost. It is through disobedience of the worship of a golden calf that these at Sinai were punished. And because they were punished, 3,000 people died. It's at Pentecost where the people obeyed and were in the right place. And they were there at the right time. And they were in unity. And it's by the ministration of the Holy Ghost that 3,000.
souls were saved. Amen. We've got to be in the right place at the right time and in unity. And that's where God pours out his spirit. Amen. Exodus 32 and 28 says, And the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and there fell of the people that day about 3,000 men. And Acts 2 and 41, it says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them 3,000 souls. Same God! Doing the same work! And all it takes is for us to do his will. When we do our this is the response. At the heart of the harvest of Pentecost, souls are saved. Souls are saved. Romans 5 and 20 says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abound, grace did much more abound. I don't know about you, but I found that God's grace is sufficient. And his mercies are renewed every morning. Now, for many of you, you may not need that. I'm from Albany, Georgia. And uh, I, and like I said, I didn't come into this Pentecostal thing from a heritage. I'm sorry. And so I bring some stuff with me. I pray that the Holy Ghost will help me to overcome it. But I wake up every morning needing God's grace. I wake up every morning needing his mercy to be renewed every morning. And it's as the, the song was speaking to us about what God does in our lives, he does it through the spirit. And because his spirit lives in us, we're able to walk according to that spirit. Amen. That is... Pentecost, and what does Pentecost now mean to you? Fifty. Simply means fifty. Fifty. We want to talk about Pentecost and the fulfillment of the promise. And the first scripture that I want to bring our attention to is Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 and 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, not on the 49th day, but on the 50th day. Yes. Pentecost had fully come. This is a 50-day-long celebration. Each week being a Sabbath, seven days, seven sevens, and then the day of Pentecost fully comes on that following day. When they were, when that day had fully come, that celebration, they were all with one accord and in one place. They were ready. They were in the place that God told them to be. Jesus told them to go and wait at Jerusalem for the promise. Amen. And suddenly, the promise came. There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. I wonder what would happen in the Pentecostal churches that happened today. Type of preaching that will cut you off, my bad. Before you run, before you shout, before you say amen to agree, 
I want to remind you that they were in the right place. They were with one accord. They were in unity. The scripture doesn't say they were in another place. And it didn't say that they were in a comfortable place. But like the psalmist said, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garment. As the dews of Hermon, as the dews that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there, it's in that place, it's when they own Saints of God, they were together in like belief. I know that at times when we're speaking to others about what we believe, that is challenging to them. I will hope that when you walk into a Pentecostal church, we, have, we may have visitors in the house today, but you walked in knowing, maybe, because some people Google it, I don't know if it's a life UPC or it's a life. But UPC stands for United Pentecostal Church for those that visit. This is a Pentecostal church. And we have like belief. And we're together with like faith. And we're together with no exception. With no exception. It's the Bible way. And that's what we stick to. And it's not because we call ourselves Pentecostal. It's because of Pentecost that we do what we do. That we respond the way that we do. You know, as I studied this message, I looked at others and, you know, the way they preach Pentecost. And one of the things that I find is how the revelation of the word is coming as because there are many in our faith believers that may not call themselves Pentecostal that when you read the word, it's just true. Yes. Ain't nothing you can do about it. It's going to reveal itself to you. As, as long as you open it up and read it, it's going to reveal itself to you. But I noticed how they, you know, some began to skip around and say different things and make little remarks and jokes about uh, Pentecostal churches that they might have been around when they were growing up, even though they were in a separate faith. And they say things like... Uh, acting silly, or it doesn't take all that, or tongues are not essential, those types of things. Yeah, holy rollers, okay, all those names, they're coming forth now. Some of y'all heard these things, hey? Why you gotta dress like that, look like that, act like that? But my, my thoughts always go back to just the everyday lives we live, you know, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not one to question why people do what they do, and definitely not in a judgmental way, because we find out on Tuesday we don't have to worry about that, right? God will do all the judging. We don't have to worry. Your name in the book is not in the book? Okay. Pretty simple. But, uh, I, I, and I probably preach this every single time I get up here. I probably say some of the same scriptures and give some of the same uh, uh, examples. 
but baseball games, football games. You don't got to act like that. You don't got to act like that, you know. People painting their bodies and yelling and screaming and walking across each other's heads, you know. And then you go to the club on Friday and Saturday, you ain't got to act like that. They don't take all that, right? But then you question me about being Pentecostal. That is the Bible way, you know. And that Pentecostal way that the Bible says that a sound came from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. I experienced that. You see, Pentecost was not a single instance, but Pentecost is a fulfillment of the promise. And that fulfillment is still a yet happening today. The Passover is a fulfillment. We could not have salvation without the Passover lamb being slain for the sins of the world. And by that, he died, and he was buried, and he was resurrected, and in like manner, we died to our sins to, through repentance. We're baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. From Passover to Pentecost, it's necessary for the fulfillment of the promise. If you don't have it, you need it. There's a waiting period that they had to have, and they waited until unity came together and they received the promise. 1 Corinthians 15 and 4 through 7 says, He was raised on the third day according to the scripture, and that he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve, then to the twelve. And that he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. And I want to say some might have missed the bus. Some might have missed the bus. How is it that after the resurrection, Jesus appeared to 500 and 120 were in the upper room. Where the 380? Where the 380? As you look around the sanctuary, where's the 380? They heard of Pentecost. They heard that it was coming. We have a celebration coming. How you know they heard it? Because Jesus said, wait for the promise. And then we got 120 that waited. They were in the right place at the right time and they were in unity for the fulfillment of the promise. If we are to experience the fulfillment of Pentecost, we can't just be wherever we want to be and expect a Pentecostal experience. The Bible said they were with one accord and in one place, the place that Jesus told them to be. The move happens when we're in the place God wants us to be. You see, reading and studying the Bible, it cannot be accomplished. I don't know, maybe I do this because I'm from Albany, Georgia. But Sister Ashley, when she's signing, she'll always ask me to tell her about some of these words before I say them. But I'm going to tell you this. Reading the Bible cannot be done through superficial perusal. Surface level 
sending your fingers through the pages is not how we study the Bible. 2 Timothy 2 and 15 says to study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Much of what people say about Pentecost is misunderstood. And it includes disobedience. So I want to tell you that once understood, obedience is necessary. Once understood, obedience is necessary. Why weren't these 380 with 120 when Jesus told them to? He desires for us to obey him. 1 Samuel 15 and 22, and Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. We've got to obey. The Holy Ghost descended on the believers that were in a covenant relationship with the body of Christ. You want to ask why? Because we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as some do. We, we go, that's why we go to church. I, I have to be around like believers. You know, otherwise that's not what you're going to get. You have to be intentional about being around like believers. And so we have spoken of the place. And now we want to talk about the promise. Luke 24 and 49 says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem. In other words, wait at Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And Acts 1 and 4 says, And being assembled together with them. There's a lot with the numbers. If I had time, I'd go through all these numbers, the 50, the 500, the 120, the 3,000, but I really don't have that kind of time. Even today, in the Jewish culture, their assemblies are 120. You can just look it up. It's good information to know. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart Jerusalem, but wait! For the promise of the Father, which said he, you have heard of me. Once you heard it, you don't have no choice. I think Brother Henry was talking about that on Tuesday. Once you hear it, you got to, it's time to obey. Acts 2 and 3 through 4, and there appeared unto to them cloven tongues as a fire. And it sat upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. When God says he'll give you a promise, the Scripture says he will not withhold any good thing from the saints who walk upright. He released the promise when he said he'd release it. So if you ask the question, why am I not receiving a blessing? Why have I not received what God has for me? When you get in a place then God releases the promise. The promises of God are yea and amen. Acts 2 and 37 through 39 tells us of this promise. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent 
and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you don't have it, you need it. And not only that, this promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. For all the promises of God are yea and amen unto the glory of God by us. The outpouring of God's spirit happens in the place that God tells you to be in. And when we're in that place where God wants us, we begin to hear the wind. We begin to hear the wind of the Spirit blowing. And finally, the purpose. There's a purpose that God, there's a purpose of Pentecost. There's a purpose that Pentecost is fulfilled. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And I think that was Brother Duvall that was telling us we're on assignment at prayer yesterday. We're on assignment. We don't receive Pentecost for any other purpose than that to share it with others. And, and I'm closing, but I want to share another parallel in Scripture to show you that there's a place that when we're in the will of God, the promise is poured out. But God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was the same at Babel. This is what Zephaniah 3 and 9 says, For then I will restore the peoples to the peoples of pure language, that they all may call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. That's a promise. That a pure language is going to be restored. In Genesis 11 and 1 through 9, and I summarize it, this is the Tower of Babel. These individuals decided that they would build up a, a tower toward heaven. And the Lord came down. And he said, this, in verse 6, this people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them. This is God speaking of people that are in unity, in one accord, and in one place. The only problem is they're not in the will of God. They're not in the will of God. This word Babel uh, leads to the word Babylonian. And because of its meaning, it means confusion. The next verse tells us that the Lord confounded their language. And we see this word confounded again in the book of Acts. And why language? Why language? Because when they rejected God, God used this confounding of the language, in this case, to scatter them abroad throughout the earth. Because if not, they would have accomplished what they had put their mind to, their thoughts to, their concepts to, their understanding to. God uses language because it has to do with our thoughts, our concepts, our minds. If, if I can say something to you and you understand it, then we're working with something. Now we can get into unity. But if I say it and you don't understand it, then we're not working in unity. We see this on the day of Pentecost. Before the Tower of Babel, all languages 
uh, the, there was one language. And when God scattered them abroad, he, he separated them by their language. And then we see one language, one people, and nothing could be withheld from them. If they're in unity, nothing can stop them. But they were not in the will of God like on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost fell, the people came together. And they understood each other's language. And in that same method that God scattered the people of Babel and frustrated them, he united the understanding of the people on the day of Pentecost. And Sister Parks, you can begin to, to sing. I know that you're there. I guess your song probably can't overlap with me. I want to give you two examples before she starts singing, and that is Acts 8 and Acts 19. And it's pretty simple. There's an experience called Pentecost. We heard that promise in Acts 2 and 37 through 39 when they responded to Peter after he had preached. And I'm speaking to someone out there if you haven't responded to Pentecost. That there are biblical examples that simply hearing of Pentecost isn't enough. That once you have heard, then there's a response. In the book of Acts, they believe what Philip had, had preached. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard Samaria had received the word of God, they sent for Peter and John. When they came down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none. They were baptized in the name of the Lord. And they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And then in Acts 19, this was 54 AD. This is 30 years, 24 years later, after uh, the experience of Pentecost. And Paul is at Ephesus. And he asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? Because we have faith, because we believe. I'm telling you this, you've got to take that step. Go ahead and start singing, Sister Paul. While she's singing, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Are you, you're in the right place. You're in the, in the right time. But it's through the understanding that has come forth in the message today that you can ask yourself the question, Am I in the place where God wants me to be? I'm in unity with the people of God. And am I in the will of God by receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost? Following that Acts promise. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed?
on Saturday. Oh, very important. No midweek service for Tuesday. So very important that uh, those that normally come out to midweek service or are planning to come out to midweek service, no service. You may be dismissed in Jesus' name. All right. Hallelujah.